0: to hear the voices around the uh, auditorium singing the praises of God. We are incredibly blessed with uh, with our music teams in this church and I trust that you will compare with me in that. Would you like to turn with me please in your Bible, New Testament? We're looking at the uh, first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians this morning, chapter 2. you would like to turn with me if you've got your Bible with you. I encourage you to be bringing your Bible to church each Sunday in a way you can follow along. You can be checking up and making sure, making sure that I am actually preaching from the Word of God and not uh, not from something else. And also, as we read the Word of God, as we take in the words, I think there's something about reading a book, isn't there, as we take in those Words, they kind of just stay with us. You know, I've got a, a lot of books I'm single, but they don't stay with me as much as they do when I've actually got a physical book in my hand. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're we commencing at verse 1. And Sixteen. Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit writes, "For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. For though we had already suffered and been faithfully treated as Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict." For our appeal did not spring from error, or impurity, or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattering, as you we know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though well, we could have made demands as a positive Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Do you remember, brother, our labor and toil? We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you, believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in the manner worthy of God, who called you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, For when you receive the word of God, which is heard from us, you accept it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at in you, believers. For you, brothers, become imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in you For you suffer the same things from your own countrymen as they do from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. This was always to fill up the measure of their sin. The wrath has come upon them at last. This, this is the word of the Lord. I probably don't need to tell you this morning that uh, we're living in a world that is growing increasingly hostile to the Christian faith and to we as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, we're quickly finding ourselves uh, um, becoming the target of increasing opposition, of ridicule, of disdain, of evil hatred, being pushed to the margins of society. And of course, we shouldn't be surprised by this, should we? Because as we read through the scriptures, we see that Jesus himself made it clear that this would be the experience of his followers. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22, it says this, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. John records words of Jesus in his gospel in John 15, 18 to 20. Where Jesus says to his disciples, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, then the world would love you as it's own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Mm. The persecution of Jesus' followers is something which is a common theme throughout the New Testament. In Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And the Apostle Peter writes he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery fire when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice so in as he spirit Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But the reality is we as Christians should expect to suffer for our faith. It was the same for Paul and his companions in his day in that first century. We see it in verse two. Of course, starting in verse one, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as we know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. despite what our world is like today towards Christians and the Christian faith, that's nothing as compared to what it was like in the first century before. Paul and his companions. Yet we see God uses not only this man, but he uses many of his companions, and in fact he uses many people as we read throughout the New Testament, we see that God uses many of these people to bring a lot of people to faith in Jesus Christ through the faithful proclamation of the gospel message. I want to do this morning is that as we begin to look at this passage together in 1 in Thessalonians chapter 2, is, I want to identify some of the, the key ingredients to their ministry. And As we look at these key ingredients, I, I hope that they'll encourage us and help us in our own efforts for go, the gospel and living life worthy of God. So one of the things I want to just to make clear today, we're only going to get through one of those points today, folks. So, all right? We'll cover the rest next week. So if you come along next week, it won't be a really really long thing. Next week, I, I promise. So we're only going to cover one point today. Uh, we're going to be looking just at the first four verses of this chapter, and we'll continue to we'll get through the rest next week. I promise. Okay? So the first characteristic I want to draw our attention to today is found in verse two. All right. So, grab your Bibles out, and before we do that, let me just start, let me just pray, shall we? Father God, as we um, as we just open your Word now, or if anyone's already prayed, we, we, we want to ask for open house because we know, Lord, that well, this isn't just the words of men, that this is indeed your Word, the very Word of God to us. Help us to receive it as that, and Lord, may it all bring glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We ask Amen. So, the first focus, as I said, we want to look at, I want to draw our attention to, is the whole characteristic of boldness. And this boldness that, that, that is being spoken of here is anchored in three important things uh, that we'll, we'll discover as we read through these four verses together. Paul states that, at the beginning, he said, that we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. I do know what you sort of think of when you think of, of boldness or of a bold person. You know, it's, it's like you say up front, it's, it's a mistake to think that boldness is just some kind of personality trait, you know, that people are just kind of born with it. One commentator writing about boldness says, uh, he says, a typically soft-spoken introverted calm person can be bold at a time when a typically driven outspoken brass person is that so boldness isn't just a, a personality trait. But the kind of boldness that we've spoken of here comes from a, a deeply held conviction and a confidence in the truthfulness of that conviction. Boldness isn't merely just, just talking loudly and shouting down the opposition. Most oftentimes that's arrogance. Boldness itself is a, is a steady devotion to the truth and it's a refusal to compromise when it comes to that truth. And in the case of the believer, it is the conviction that God is real and that his word and promises are true and therefore cannot be obeyed. It's boldness in God that Paul speaks of here. It's the same boldness that, that Joshua and Caleb had when they were given when they gave that favorable report to to the, uh, the, the people of Israel, after they'd gone in and spied out the land of Canaan. Remember, Mark preached about this only a few weeks ago. And they urged people to go and take possession of the land. Numbers chapter 14, verses 6 to 9 says this And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy out. Is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Remember the uh, 12 spies the, the came back in front of the spies, you know, they agreed that the land was, was just as God thought it was, a land flowing with milk and honey, but they, they, they were overcome with fear because the inhabitants of the land looked like giants to them. And they tried to encourage, they tried to, to convince the people not to go in because it would be a disaster for them. And yet these two Joshua and Caleb stood Strong against that opposition, stood strong in the face of, of majority opinion, and said, "No, God is with us. We need to go in and take this land. God has already said that it will be ours." They had confidence in God I and mean, in His power. The same kind of confidence that Paul and his, his, his companions had here in this passage, it's the same kind of confidence that David had when he went to uh, to take on Goliath. In uh, in 1 Samuel 17, David said to the Philistine, this giant of a a man nine feet tall, he said, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. What boldness, what confidence, what courage David has. But it wasn't in His own strength. It was in the strength of the Lord and the confidence He had in the power and the goodness of God and God carrying out His will and purposefully. As we ourselves need to have this own boldness as the people of God today, we need to have a boldness that comes from confidence in our God, a confidence in His existence, in His power, in His sovereignty and in His promises. In his word, it is this same boldness that has you know, led countless followers of Jesus Christ over the centuries to take a stand for the gospel in the face of much opposition and the hardness. Of course, such a boldness can be hard to come by, can and now for Paul, it was, it was exactly the same as us. You know, this Bible can be hard for us to have. But for Paul, it was the same. You know, we think oh, the great apostle Paul. He didn't have any problems in, in going and, you know, in, in standing in the face of conflict and boldly proclaiming the word of God. But listen to Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, where he says, pray. Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in charge, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The Apostle Paul was asking his fellow Christians, his fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, please pray for me because I need that prayer to give me that the boldness to continue to speak the gospel as around about many of conflict and opposition. You know, this boldness did not come naturally to the disciples either in Jerusalem following Jesus' death and resurrection. It told that they were fearful until the Holy Spirit came upon them. But they, too, pray for boldness to preach amidst persecution. In Acts chapter 4, verses 29 to 31, after Peter and John had healed, the, 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 the man by the side of the road, they were dragged before the Jewish Roman council, the religious council. They were threatened with, uh, with with, uh, with uh, uh, physical harm. But they went back to the brothers and sisters, and they all got together on their hands, and as they prayed, and as they said, and now, Lord, look upon their threat. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hands to heal and signs and wonders to perform through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, it said, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness we need to be like these disciples. We need to be like the Apostle Paul and be praying regularly for one another and for ourselves that, that the Holy Spirit would fill us with the same boldness and courage to live faithfully to Jesus and proclaim the good news of the gospel to a world that is lost in gospel. One of the things that we need to remember is that God himself has promised to be with us in this mission. In the great commission that we read in Matthew 28, at the end of that verse, after Jesus says that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, and then he then gives that authority to his disciples to go out and and share the faith, share the gospel message with the community, making disciples of all nations, Jesus says, and behold, I am with you. always, not just sometimes, not just occasionally, but always. We can, be, we can rest assured that God's promises are true. And if God, as Jesus himself, has promised to be with us always through his indwelling Spirit, then we can bounce on that. We can trust in that and know that as we go about living our lives faithfully for Jesus, that Jesus is with us and he will give us help through his Holy Spirit to be able to live boldly for Of course, we need to remember too that that God's power is greater than any earthly power. That he has the ability himself to change paths and lives, to bring good from bad, to accomplish his will and purposes in our world and in the lives of people. The Apostle Paul was convinced about this as he wrote to the Romans, the Roman church in chapter 1. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for I know it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe, to the first, and also to the and to the Gentiles. Paul was convinced that in the gospel there is a power at work. The very power of God, as we proclaim it, God's power is being proclaimed. And that power has the ability to change hearts and change lives. And brings us to our next point, the second aspect of this, dullness that Paul is speaking of here. because we read that Paul was also confident in the truth of the gospel message that he preached. We see that in verse 3. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any temptation to It's But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. And Paul was confident in the truth of the gospel message he preached. And this enables to preach it boldly as well. You know, one of the greatest tools that, that our enemy Satan has today is to cause people to doubt the truth of God's word or to alter it. It goes right the way back to Genesis in the Garden, where he convinced Adam and Eve to, to not trust God and to, and to alter the word of God. Writing to the Galatians says in chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there, there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or even an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be a church of As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be a curse. Paul saw the danger in false gospels being proclaimed. And today there are many false gospels and some of those have even found their way into the church. And folks, so, we need to remember that we have to be faithful to the word of God in our lives, and in our populations of us every day. Sadly, there is a mass falling away of many so-called Christians today, right across are uh, brought about by their doubting or denying the truthfulness and the veracity of the gospel. Let me just back to that. that they they deny and doubt the truth of the gospel and the veracity of the scripture. Now, there's a recent survey. In fact, there's been a few recent surveys done, particularly in the US, because that's where a lot of these surveys are done these days. And it says that that this particular survey said that 70% of people who uh, would would consider themselves as evangelical, 70% believe that there is more than one way to get to heaven, that they don't just have to believe in Jesus. 70%. Now, Lee and Eure have just done quite a uh, remarkable uh, survey just recently. You can actually go onto their website and, and read through it. But it's, it's, it's absolutely astounding the numbers of people who claim to be evangelists, people who will, you know, would think that they are indeed gospel followers of Jesus, doubt or deny or alter the, the, the scriptures in lots of the different ways. Because once we start denying or doubting parts of the Bible, we are on a very, very quick and slippery slope to a practice abandoning the faith of but there, of, there is plenty of evidence to point to the truthfulness of the Bible and the one, one to whom it points is to Jesus. Just a couple of books just quickly. I'll just stick them up on the screen there. Some of you might be familiar with uh, with Josh McDowell's evidence that demands a, bird, a verdict. It goes back a long, long way, but it's had a number of updates and that sort of thing, and his son, Sean, has joined him in that. A wonderful book i read a number of years ago, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was an uh, investigative journalist. I think so, uh, for one of the major newspapers in America. And he took it upon himself to actually prove that Jesus was, that Christianity in Jesus is all a fabrication. And as he researched it he found, he came to realize that it's not it was all true. he's written John Dixon is seeking suspicion of the book probably on a little bit more of a, a, a youth age group. i then, a lady, uh, just, just recently, Rebecca McLaughlin, um, she has written a wonderful book called Profound Christianity, where she yeah, so looks at uh, 12 different things which, which Christians can sometimes have doubts about in terms of uh, the Word of God today. So uh, by all means, you know, grab, grab, grab one of these books and have a read through it. Make sure you have an understanding yourself as a follower in Christ, that confidence in the gospel and in the Word of God. But we also need to see as examples, like the, 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 the examples we have here of the, the Thessalonian believers who heard the Word of God and, and received it as that, It led to radical transformation in their lives. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2-7, to seven, Paul writes, For we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with, with full conviction. You know what kind of men we choose to be among you, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction under the joy of the Holy Later in, verses, in, in our chapter here in verses 13 to 14, Paul writes the same thing where he says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you, believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in here for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as those did from the Jews. But we also need to be going into the scriptures and reading the examples of, of Christians who have gone before us. But we also need to, to perhaps hear more modern stories as well. I encourage you to perhaps go onto websites like Voice of the Martyrs or Barnabas Fund or Open Doors and, and, and websites like that where we hear testimonies. So about people who are standing strong and boldly for Jesus in their faith in the midst of a lot of persecution and hardship around our world today. And we need to hear testimonies from one another. Testimonies right, the deserved and devotion. You know? Testimonies from one another about how we are today putting into practice the word of God in our lives and how God is working in us. And you know, I don't think there's anything more encouraging than hearing how much God is at work in the life of fellow it's, it's, it's a fellow believer. And yet, we, we often keep that so close to ourselves, we're, we're sometimes afraid to share that with one another. But it's those sort of things that we should be using to see the church built up and edify these things. Paul had no doubt that the message he preached was true and that it was the only means by which people could know how to be reconciled to God and have that type of eternal life. The third condition that Paul had in giving him boldness to declare the gospel was that he had been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel in verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God, he says, to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God and tests our hearts. And Paul saw himself as a steward of something incredibly precious and important in the gospel, given to him by God himself. And later in this section, Paul is going to point out that the those who seek to, to stop the gospel from, King, from being proclaimed actually oppose not only God, but they oppose mankind. But they are enemies of mankind because they prevent people from hearing the only message that can save them. we we'll looking at that again verses 15 to 16 next week. But Jesus himself compared this gospel, this, this message of the kingdom of God. Paul, i say Jesus described this same gospel in comparison to a poor of great Christ which caused the merchant to sell everything he had in order to purchase it. Or again, it was, sort of a, it was like a treasure in a field which, when discovered by a man, he went away and sold all that he had in order to gain that truth. But that is how important and how precious the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God is to us and to our world today. the preaching of the gospel is infinitely far more important than anything in this world because it deals with people's eternal destiny. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you too have been entrusted with the same gospel of God, and you have been approved by Him to proclaim it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 into 20, The Apostle Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his very appeal to us. What a privilege. Isn't it true? Do we see it as a privilege, though? Do we see it as something precious that we've been entrusted with? Something more precious than anything this world could ever describe or or, 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 or offer us. Scott was saying last week, in his preaching. You know, if you've got the cure for cancer, you know, to prevent people from 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 the suffering and death that it brings, ensure you have the responsibility to share that news with the world, don't you? And let the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is far more significant than a cure for cancer because it is the means of saving people from eternal suffering and death. And so often we keep quiet because of what others might say about us, what others might think of us, that we might, you know, we might fumble over our words or we might stuff up the messaging somewhere. But Paul reminds us here, but we, folks, are meant to please God for this in not manner. Not even yourself. I share all kinds of strategies today that are being poured by the church, to engage in our world with the gospel. And I know we need to develop these strategies, but we'll mention some very, very good ones. But can I just say fundamentally what is needed is this. Christians who are willing to live courageously for Jesus and proclaim with boldness the life-giving message of the gospel. This boldness needs to be coupled with love and humility and grace and also a willingness to endure suffering and hardship. But what the Bible demonstrates and what history has proved through the centuries is that where we see men and women, boys and girls, willing to live in this way, with boldness for Christ, that they can be sight, bright, light that shines brightly in a dark world. People used by God to impact this world by pointing people to the loving and merciful and gracious Savior Jesus Christ. You are in And our prayer today should be this. Oh, that God would give each of us the courage and the condition to live like this for him to stand on him. I mean, let's pray. we'll close this word this morning. Lord, we're reminded of the preciousness of the Gospel, the importance of the Gospel. And Lord, the demand for us as followers of Jesus Least, as we go into this new week, would you indeed help us in that? Would you help us to live bold and courageous lives in Jesus' sleep? Would you have an opportunity to present themselves for us to be able to speak about our Savior Jesus? Lord, help us just to stand up and pray to you, asking for the Holy Spirit, help, them, and then just to open our mouths and share the testimony